Hello, my name is Andrew Gamison, and it is my privilege, as always, to be your host for this edition of the Speaking for Him podcast. It is the last broadcast of 2022, and what a year it has been. These last couple of years, I've been able to do retrospective podcasts and look back on the year that was, and I'm really excited to do that again this year. God has been faithful, as always, and I'm always just as excited as you to find out where God is going to take us in 2023. I do try to plan ahead and come up with a lot of creative things to share with you, to encourage you on this road that we call the Christian life, but I'm always relying on God and asking him, what's the next thing you want to share? What's going to be impactful? What is going to encourage these people in the spiritual journey that they are on as they work on their relationship with Jesus Christ. It's an active thing. It's something that we need to be pursuing on a daily basis. Paul tells us to make our calling and election sure. And so it's not a passive thing. Once God has begun the work of changing us, he will work through us and give us the life experiences and the things we need for him to complete the work that he has begun in us. And that will be complete at the day of Jesus Christ, when Jesus returns. But until then, we need to be faithful and stay in the battle and encourage one another throughout. And that is the purpose of the Speaking for Him podcast. So I'm looking forward to digging into 2022 with you in just a little bit. But before we do that, let's look at what is going on. Well, as I said, we will be looking back on the year that was, but I need to bring our attention to a little bit on the current events front first, and this story that I saw this last week really struck me, um, and I feel like we need to discuss it, and it is the fact that in 2024, the Biden administration plans to make the citizenship test easier essentially dumbing it down. The Biden administration is trying to make the citizenship process more woke by making it way easier. The citizenship test will soon be multiple choice. It was just three years ago that Fox and Friends celebrated what it means to become an American at the first ever naturalization ceremony on Fox Square. Watch this. I will perform work of national importance under civilian direction when required by the law, and that I take this obligation freely without any mental reservation or purpose of evasion, so help me God. Congratulations. And all of those people that you just saw there, they served our country before they became citizens. And they all took the test that shows how much they wanted to become an American. Right now, immigrants who take the test have to study to answer 100 questions. They are asked 10 of the questions at random and have to give the correct answer to six of them. 
The Biden administration's plan, they plan on changing the test to multiple choice in 2024. You know, Raymond, Raymond, let's look at this. Uh, so the first five questions of the current citizenship test, they're things like this. You know, what is the supreme law of the land? What does the Constitution do? The idea of self-government is in the first three words of the Constitution. What are these words? What is an amendment? What do we call the first 10 amendments to the Constitution? So that's sort of just, you know, what is in there now? Right. You know, Raymond, why would they want to water down this process? Shouldn't it be hard to become an well, American? Well, you know why. When we have 14,000 people illegally crossing into the country every day, you have to do something with them. And the truth is, if you read closely, the Biden administration wants to adjust the naturalization text because they say, we've gotten feedback from players, people who are involved in the process. Well, that's people who thought it was too hard. Look, the naturalization process is just that. It's to naturalize people from other countries into the American experience and ensure that they are on a path to becoming Americans. It's an idea. It's a mindset. Look, my father came to this country. He was an immigrant. He served in the Marines. He had to learn English. It was hard. It was very difficult for him. My grandparents as well coming over from Italy. It was a, it, it should be a bit of a trial so that you are conversant in the language of the country you will now be a part of. That's in the best interest, not only of the country, but of those coming into the country. I worry about turning this naturalization test into a fast pass or a turnstile system into citizenship. That's never what it was intended to be. It was to both help the new immigrant, the new American, yeah. as well as the country to, to welcome them and accept them. Can I just say really quick that we need to consider what citizenship is? Because the whole point of becoming a citizen is to have the rights and privileges thereof. The reason that people want to become citizens of the United States of America is that it indeed gives you privileges and rights that you did not have otherwise. Those privileges and rights are protected by the laws of the land. Therefore, becoming a citizen is something to take seriously it's something where we want only serious people to apply. And so I think that making the citizenship test hard is something that is a good thing, not a bad thing. I remember several years ago watching an episode of Monk. And I don't know if you ever saw that show, but it was a detective show about a very neurotic former police detective um, who had so many phobias, but the basic premise was he was very good at his job. He's very good at observation. And so he was able to help them solve crimes. And in one particular episode, there was a person. I don't remember now if it was a suspect or if she was the guilty party. I just know that there was a person that he was investigating. And he said, I know that you're studying for citizenship because you have a copy of the U.S. Constitution in your purse and no one who is already a citizen studies the Constitution. And I remember thinking about that and being like, you know, that's not very far off the truth. People who are already citizens who are enjoying the privileges of living here do not often consider the Constitution. But the fact of the matter is that the Constitution is what allows America to be who we are. 
And the reality is that even though America has some major black stains on their history, the way we treated American Indians, the way we treated blacks, especially in the Civil War era, but even in the Civil Rights era of the 60s, the biggest reason we were able to overcome those things is because we had a constitution which allowed us to make the changes necessary to become the nation that we are today. And we were able to become a nation of the people, for the people, and by the people. So that when the people see injustice in their country, they can vote to make the changes necessary. They can have a legislature who is there speaking up for them and saying, this is an injustice, we need to fight it, we need to end it. That has been the history of the United States of America. Not only in their own country, but seeing injustices abroad and fighting to make them right. D-Day, which was the invasion of American and British troops and other allies, was a big push in World War II, which caused its end. Without D-Day, World War II ends much differently. So, all this is possible because of the Constitution and because of the Constitutional Republic that has been built in America since the founders began this process in the 1700s. And so, my feeling is that by dumbing down the citizenship test you are going to have people that don't care as much about being citizens. I think that having to work through the citizenship process makes you appreciate this country all the more. And that's what we need today. Because we have a lot of natural-born citizens whose parents are Americans and they're born in America who do not understand this country, nor do they understand the privilege that they have simply by living here. They're always thinking instead of what the government owes them, what other people owe them, what they should have uh, just because they exist, instead of saying, what can I do for my country? John F. Kennedy said, ask not what your country can do for you, but ask what you can do for your country. And I feel like we're in a place in America where we're doing the exact opposite of that. And that is not going to get better by dumbing down the citizenship test. I think it's pretty significant that they study to answer so many questions, and then they're only asked 10 of them, and then they only have to get 6 out of the 10 right. But even that would be a struggle if you don't know about this country, if you're trying to study for the test. But the hope, I think, in this process is that by studying the country, by studying the Constitution, you gain a love and an admiration and a respect for it that you didn't have before. And I almost wonder if people that are born here that are American citizens, even of multiple generations, shouldn't take this test because it might give them a greater appreciation of where they've come from and how great they have it here in America. Because, as I said, I know we're not perfect, I know we have struggles, I know that we don't do everything right, but look through the world and tell me what other country gives us the privileges that America does. I just challenge you, because I guarantee you 
that you're not going to find one like America. Americans have so many opportunities to challenge what's going on in their country, whether it be by going to the polls at election time, whether it be going to school board elections, whether it be becoming a part of the school board, um, whether it be speaking out against uh, people that are working in your kids' schools and holding them to account, whether it be going to social media and sharing your opinion and your convictions. These are things that you're not allowed to do in a lot of other countries, but we have the privilege to do them here. And I think we need to look at that honestly. I think we need to make sure that we are not shortchanging the opportunities that we have in America. In a slightly related story, Judge Janine Perraro on Fox News sat down recently and talked about the effect that losing faith is having in our country. Church membership and belief in God has crumbled in America. Today, nearly 20% of Americans do not believe in God. A monumental fall from just a decade ago when over 90% still believed in the Lord. Even worse is a majority of Americans no longer belong to a church either. This trend was accelerated by the pandemic as church attendance plummeted by 45% during the lockdowns. Religion is part of the foundation of America. Our pledge says one nation under God. Our money says in God we trust on it. And our presidents are sworn in on a Bible. Faith and freedom go hand in hand in America. So this drop in believers is a threat to our national identity. When we lose our faith, we lose our morals. Look at what is happening to our cities. Shoplifting, crime, violence, all running wild in our streets. Want to go Christmas shopping? You better bring a shield. A nation without faith is a nation searching for an identity. Our religious beliefs are important, especially during the Christmas season. We need to remind people why we celebrate Christmas, and it starts by protecting our Christmas carols. I think it's important to consider what she says. On the face of things, she's absolutely right, because the fundamental belief of anyone who is religious is to believe that there's a higher power than myself and that I am accountable to that power. But to unpack it a little bit more, I think we need to get back to faith in Jesus Christ, in that fixed moral standard. Because the reality is that the greatness of America has been a foundation of a fixed moral standard. When you go to Washington, I believe you can still see Moses on the Supreme Court, because the founding laws upon which the laws of our country are based are the laws of Moses. And a lot of the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence comes from a place of a Judeo-Christian value. Many of the Founding Fathers were Christians, not all, but many of them were, 
and even those who were not Christians respected the Bible as a moral authority for life. And that is the strength of America. A lot of times when we think about liberty, we think, well, liberty means I can do whatever I want. Because having liberty means that I just do what I want and it doesn't matter what anybody else says or thinks. I understand from one perspective how this is true. I am not to live my life hoping that other people will be pleased with me. I am to live my life in a way that pleases God, regardless of whether it pleases others. But I also serve a God who says to esteem others better than yourself, to put others' needs above myself, to realize that I don't live in a bubble, that everything I do affects other people around me. So that means that in order to have a orderly society, one that is just and is fair for others, I need to think of liberty not in the sense of doing exactly what I want for any reason, but in the sense of doing what I ought to do because I know what is right. During the 2020 riots, Michael Knowles said something that I've referred back to from time to time. I do realize this, but it has struck me and never left me. He said that Martin Luther King Jr. said that he wanted his children to be judged by the content of their character and not by the color of their skin. But then he pointed out that the problem today is we don't even know what character means. So how would we know how to judge someone on the content of that character? The fact of the matter is, the Bible says that we are all dead in our trespasses and sins without Christ, but he makes us alive. The Bible says if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. So if you want to see a change in your life, you must give your life to Jesus Christ. There are plenty of religious people today that are dead. What did Jesus say about the religious Pharisees? He said, your lips profess to know me, but your hearts are far from me. Jesus does not want your religious practices. He wants a personal relationship with you that affects every part of your life so that you can say with Paul, in him we live and move and have our being. And that's when change occurs. And that's when we will see a blessed change in America when we turn back to God and pursue absolute truth. Because we're living in an age now where truth is relative. People say, you live your truth, I'll live my truth. But the problem is, multiple truths can't coexist. There is only one truth, and it is found in the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. The time has come to dig into our 2022 highlights. I picked seven shows. I obviously could have picked more, but I picked seven shows that I feel kind of encapsulate the year and tell you what I thought stuck out and what was impactful to me. Again, please reach out and let me know if there are any others that I missed. 
that you think should have been included. I want more and more feedback as the show goes on. I've always appreciated when people reach out. If you leave a voicemail on the blog, then I can use it in a future episode, whether it's answering a question for you, whether it's just playing your feedback so that others can hear it. I want that opportunity, but only if you leave messages. So please go to my blog, hit the microphone on the right-hand side, and you can leave a message there, or you can go directly to speakpipe.com slash speaking the number for him. That's speakpipe.com slash speaking the number for him. And you can leave reviews on Apple Podcasts. I would really appreciate that. Or probably some of the other podcast sites also have ways to leave reviews as well. But just know that your feedback is important to me. All right, before we get into the highlights... I just want to share with you our quote of the day. This quote is from Soren Kierkegaard, and I thought it was very apropos of today. It says, life can only be understood backwards, but it must be lived forwards. And I think this is a very telling quote because I think when we look back, that's when we see the faithfulness of God. Sometimes when we're living in the moment, we we say, where is God? What is he doing? But when we look back, it allows us to get perspective on life and shows us where we've come from and a little bit about where we're going. Although God does not often reveal that to us because he wants us to learn as we go. Uh, But I really feel like there is a lot of truth there. As we dig into our 2022 highlights, I just want to say, as I often say, that Uh, the interviews that I do are some of my favorite episodes because it gives me an opportunity to interact with others and shine a spotlight on their stories. And my first highlight that I have to share with you today comes from an episode that I did in January with my friend William Betzelberger. He started a page on Facebook called Resilient Masculinity, and I really feel like this was a blessing to me because I realized that my messages of choosing the gender roles as God defined them, uh, were something that, uh, came out of, um, my ministry and that it wasn't in vain. And I love seeing other people, uh, get passionate about the things that I'm passionate about. And so it was just really good to sit down and, and talk to William about why he started the ministry and what's important to him about what the Bible says about men and women. But I do. I believe that being male is, it is, it's a matter of birth, right? There's male and female. You either have male genitalia or female genitalia. Um, but being a man, you know, different cultures throughout throughout time, whether it's the U.S. or Europe or you go to native tribes, uh, you know, whether it's here in the Western hemisphere or Northern hemisphere and, you know, the West that we would call like America and Greece and all that, or you want to go to, you know, the tribes of India or other untouched places, there's always been some kind of definition of what makes a man, a man. Um, and it's, it's earned and it's fought for. It's not just directly given. 
So, yeah. <laughs> well, and there's a couple of different things that spring to mind when we talk about this issue of male, uh, male by birth, man, man, man by choice. One is that now, uh, we don't even have a real solid definition of men and women because anybody can decide to do whatever they want on any given day. Some people are women trying to be men. Some people are men trying to be women, specifically in the sports world. We're seeing that more and more. Absolutely. And then you even have the answer to both of these arguments to the world is to be gender fluid and just change from day to day. But when we're talking about manhood, we're talking about an unchangeable standard that God established and Jesus Christ said, I'm the same yesterday, today and forever. So when I establish a standard, it's not going to change with the, with the winds of time. And the other aspect is that, and I even see some Christians falling in line with this. And that is that every few years we seem to see an article in popular culture talking about the end of adolescence Uh and it gets older and older every year. And that's concerning to me because I I heard, you know, like two or three years ago, I think it was like almost mid thirties now when people are saying that adolescence actually ends. Um, but I think it's significant to me that the word teenager didn't even appear in print until a 1940s reader's digest article. And it's like ever since that point, we've been making excuses for people not to grow up rather than having them grow up. Paul talks about in first Corinthians chapter 13, um, being a child and being a man. He doesn't really talk about mm-hmm. there being an in-between time. Yeah. So I think there's significance there. Well, and think about, you know, Jewish culture, too, um, because while, yes, Paul was both a Roman, he was also a Jew. Um, he he loved using his dual citizenship for uh, the glory of God because he was willing to take his, you know, Roman citizenship and use it for good and even challenged certain things up to, you know, their version of the Supreme Court. He actually went to the king. So that was really cool. But in Jewish culture, when does a boy become a man? A man? Yeah, At 13, 13, right? Yep. So there is no teenage years. There's you're a child and then you're a man, right? You, you take those responsibilities. And that's why you see um, in Native American cultures, you had counting coup. You actually write up to your enemy and touch them. And that was one of the processes that a boy transformed into a man when he, when he was able to prove himself in battle. So it has. It's just been this very recent time frame that we're like, oh, there's teenagers, and now there's young 20s and young adults, and we, we keep pushing maturity further and further back, and society's none the better for it. This piece of audio this interview that i did with william really gives me hope for the future and i am so grateful for him it really shows me the vision of speaking for him which is to pass on uh, these very important issues to the next generation and say here 
You run with it. I'm not going to be around forever, uh, but I want these topics to continue to last. It only takes one generation for a people to forget God, and so it's very significant to me that he was willing to consider these issues and that it resonated with him so much that he has begun a movement of resilient masculinity. I'd encourage you to check out his Facebook page um, and also to check out the rest of this interview. It was a two-part interview, and we talked for about 45 minutes in total, so you'll want to check out the entirety of it. I think it will be a very much a blessing to you and that you will come away from it encouraged. And hopefully you'll come away from it with the vision for becoming a godly man or woman who supports the blueprint that God put forth in his word on how we are to live in communities, in families, in cities and towns, and thus forth. The foundation is the family. If the foundation crumbles, the rest of society is not far behind. And that's where we live here in America. We're seeing the foundation crumble. But we as believers can shore up that foundation. We can stand in the gap. We can repair the wall as Nehemiah did back in the Old Testament. The same God that Nehemiah served is the God that we serve, and we can have hope because of that. This next clip that I want to share with you is from an episode that I called Back to My Roots, and that's because I had an opportunity to speak with Chris and Emily Danielson. They are where all of this began. They gave me the opportunity to do some work in the radio studio with them and to tell West Michigan about my ministry, speaking for him, and from that grew the podcast and everything that has come since. I, I love this couple very dearly, and I'm so grateful for the impact they made on my ministry because I truly believe that I would not be doing this podcast today if it wasn't for Chris and Emily Danielson. I am so proud of you with how your enunciation is and how you are handling the, the MC mic. It's, 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 it's a privilege to watch the growth because I remember the first couple times I was hard on you. I, I, you know, I made you. He's a jerk. <laughs> Remember that? I mean, I, I stopped you like four times. I was like, dude, you're going to have to enunciate to do this. I know you want to do this, and, you know, and it's, I'm probably not being nice, but you're, and so you actually got teared up one time and I'm like, you know, there's no crying in baseball. There's no crying behind the mic. And then you just took to it and you've been pounding on it for years. And I, I got your book, Men of Valor, in my yes. office. And when I, when I see that, I always think back that, you know, God used you in our life and probably more so than what we, we've been able to be used in yours. But just hearing you enunciate and do this stuff, it's, I don't know. I, I just like watching other broadcasters grow. You yeah. Know? Well, I appreciate that. It's interesting because when, when COVID happened, I was still uh, doing my podcast out of the radio station where we met, uh, Joy 99 in Zeeland, Michigan. And then I was, I was of course not able to get back into the studio. Thought at the time that it was two weeks to slow the spread, as we all know. And right. so I had three episodes recorded. I was like, well, I can handle a three week hiatus. And then three weeks came and went and nothing was being changed as far as the lockdowns. And I was like, either I keep this going on my own or it, or it drops off. And so 
I started learning on YouTube how to edit audio and I did a few shows, uh, just with my audacity recorder. And then from there I found the roadcaster pro complete podcaster studio. And I've had that for about a year and a half. And so I've been doing all of my editing and production myself. And so I've grown a lot in the last couple of years. That's yeah, so no, awesome. you know, what, what sometimes seems like it's hardship, actually God uses for good. Yeah. I think there's a sermon series in there. It's really interesting <laughs> because a lot of people do start a podcast, but it's one thing to start a podcast and a whole nother thing to do a podcast ongoing year in, year out, like you have done successfully because there is always, there's a lot of change involved. Um, there's a lot of, you know, problem solving and how are you going to do this and how are you can do that, that a lot of people don't realize that comes with the territory. And so um, it's good when you see the, those people like you who, who they persevere through it all and they continue on and they, and it becomes Really an encouragement to people on, on a, on a very consistent basis. Well, I've always said that a lot of people can maybe host a show for a day or two. Right. And then some people might even be able to do it for a week, but do it for 10 years. Yeah. And, you know, have something fresh to say, have, have new thoughts, have, have new things all the time. And so, uh, that's where, you know, I mean, you're coming up on what episode 500 is soon. I thought I saw something out there. Yeah. Yeah. Nine weeks away from episode 500 and. About six months from that will be a uh, ten year anniversary. So yeah, it's oh, been a while. Wow. Man, I'm feeling older every Time day. <laughs> so thank you again, Chris and Emily, for igniting or rather reigniting this vision of broadcasting in my heart and making it a part of my life. Because I gotta tell you folks, when I was a young kid of about seven years old, I started carrying a tape recorder uh, wherever I went or at least having it in my room so that I could record my thoughts. And then there was the micro cassette recorder days when I would carry one in my pocket pretty much 24-7 just to record anything and everything. And that was kind of my intro to broadcasting. I always knew I wanted to broadcast, always had this vision for it, And then God led me on a little bit of a different trajectory coming out of high school than I initially anticipated. And then he brought me to WJQ and made the recording and the broadcasting once again a part of my life in a way that I had not expected. So I'm just so grateful for Chris and Emily and the way that they encouraged me and the way that they have helped me grow my ministry. I don't see very much of them as they are out of state ministering. Uh, I think the latest update is they are now uh, at a church in Iowa, but I'm very grateful for each of you. And I know I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for the two of you. So thank you so much for your support of the speaking for him podcast and my speaking for him ministry. And I hope that we can catch up soon once again always enjoy talking to them. They are a fun couple and I wish them the best. As we continue down memory lane for this year, I want to look at a movie review that I did for a movie called When Hope Grows. Now, if you've listened to my podcast for any length of time, you know that movie reviews are a 
very important part of what I do. I like to watch movies, so I like to review entertainment and give people hopeful and uh, Christ-honoring entertainment. When Hope Grows was a movie that I wanted to review way back in 2014 when it first came out. I never got to theaters to see it, so I did not release the review until this past year. But it was, to me, a very powerful film. Um, And so here's a little snippet of that review for you now. I just really like how he realizes after he meets Produce um, that he needs to make changes in his life. And it's just exciting to see how God uses someone simple like Produce to change the people around him. And as Mr. Campbell starts to put his life together to see his daughter and him uh, restore their relationship is an awesome thing too. And it's through this process that Katie realizes that her boyfriend Colt is not a good guy. And so she decides to walk away from that relationship and it turns out to be a really good thing. And then, uh, produce protects her and gets her out of a very scary situation with that boyfriend who is very self-centered and doesn't think of anyone above himself. So that was a little bit from the review that I did of when hope grows. Again, I would recommend that you watch that film with your family and talk about the lessons that it brings. I think it's one of those movies uh, and there are uh, a few of them and probably more than a few where it just centers on showing the impact that one person can have when they're focused on serving others, loving the Lord and making an impact. And that was certainly the case with produce in the movie when hope grows and you just see it growing because you, you see it in him and then he passes it on to the other characters in the movie. And I just really liked this film. If you want to listen to any of my film reviews, you can go to my audio website at speakingforhim.sermon.net. You can go to the pull down menu and find the movie reviews playlist. And they are all listed there. I'm trying to give more organization in the last few months to the audio that is listed there. I will probably be adding some more playlists coming up in the future, so keep your eye out for those. And I just hope that you enjoy the movie reviews, and particularly When Hope Grows. Well, we had some pretty big milestones for the Speaking For Him podcast this year, and the first one was my 500th episode. Uh, This was recorded April 30th of this year at Brands Restaurant in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and was broadcast starting May 4th of this year. And it was just a fun time. It was great to be able to podcast on location. It was the first time I'd ever done that, and so it was a nice challenge and a rewarding experience. And here's just a little bit of my conversation with Adam McNutt about the journey that is the Speaking for Him podcast all right adam what are your thoughts listening back to that reel and maybe some other thoughts about just this whole journey 
Oh, my goodness. First off, uh, 2013 Adam sounds a lot younger. <laughs> I think uh, eight years and 20 pounds later, a couple of things have changed. But uh, first off, I mean, one of the biggest things I reflect on from the very start to now is how incredibly God has internally grown your podcast. So, because how it started was, I mean, you know, you'd come into the radio station and, and we'd record you and we did like several shows to go ahead of time. And I mean, now what's awesome is, I mean, dude, you've got your own like home studio now, you're decked out. I mean, you're, you're, you're like way ahead of half the radio DJs out there at this point. So it's been amazing to see just all of that grow. And I'm like, man, shoot. And we're podcasting from a brand. That's right. (laughs) That's right. uh, That's pretty exciting. I marvel at how far things have come because when COVID happened, I, I really thought the podcast was going to end, or at least be seriously hampered, and God provided for me to be able to continue it, and I think in some ways it's it's better than it ever has been, just because I don't have to do three shows at once. I can focus on each show individually, and I think it makes it better. I can talk about current events, which is important to me, because I think we need to be aware of what's going on around us so it's just really neat to be able to look back at this time so there you have a little bit of conversation from my 500th episode again all of these episodes are in the archives so if you want to listen to the entirety of each episode you may do that I will include the links on my blog to make it easier for you so please go to speaking for him dot blogspot.com that's speaking the number for him dot blogspot.com for any information about any of the audio that you hear on my podcast so grateful that you do listen so grateful when you do interact so please make your way over to the blog and avail yourself of that audio and you will be blessed all right so As we continue on, I have another uh, powerful interview excerpt to share with you. And this was from a new friend of mine that I made this year named Jamie Freeman. I first came across his story through the website Love What Matters. And Jamie was able to share his story about being a disabled man who was a substitute teacher at a school and then started working full-time in maintenance, I believe, and then also worked with the high school football team. And he was able to share his faith in Christ on the Love What Matters page, and it shone through, and I said, I have to contact this guy, see if we can get him on the show, see if I can hear his full story. And so here is a little snippet of Jamie Freeman's story I think you'll really be blessed by what he has to share. So can you tell me about your family now? I hear you have quite the brood. Yeah. So, so I've been married, uh, we've been married uh, for 16 years, and uh, we have uh, five kids. And so it, it's never Never bore, boring, um, or half, and, uh, 
Yeah, we're, we're enjoying that very much. That's awesome. I have, uh, I'm the oldest of uh, 12 children, and wow. I have 28 nieces and nephews oh, right wow. now. Yeah. God hasn't gifted me with my wife yet, but I believe she's out there somewhere. So yeah. I'm excited to see how God will answer that prayer. Yeah. And yeah, that's really exciting for you to have 16 years um, of marriage in. And uh, I'm sure you've seen God's faithfulness in that process as well. Absolutely. Yeah. So what are the ages of your children? Um, so my oldest is 14 and 14 down to 3 and uh, they are they're a lot of fun did you always know you wanted a bigger family or no no, no so my, my wife my wife did and uh, I, I always thought 2 or 3 um, but the Lord had different ideas than I do. That happens a lot, actually. And, uh, and uh, we are at five, five right now. And uh, we'll see what, what he does in the future. Isn't that the truth? A lot of times we have a plan and God writes a whole other script than what we oh. were thinking. Yeah, that, that, that's kind of the story of my life. So, how did you meet your wife? Yeah, we, we met at church. Um, I, I, I grew up um, going to the same church uh, for, for the first 20 years um, of my life. And she moved um, into town. And began coming to the church um, I was at. Um, we met there. Um, I, 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 I liked her from, from the very beginning. And she was a little bit, a little bit more apprehensive. Uh, but as they say, um, I, I, I would have with my ways. And, uh, and we, we, we finally went on, on our first date. And then I, I, I guess the rest is history. So I just really liked the perspective that Jamie had. We've had a lot of the same struggles. Um, and, and like me, he is fighting with God to overcome them. I think he has a great sense of humor. I just think you'll really enjoy uh, these podcast episodes if you take the time to listen to them in the archives. And I just think it will be a blessing to you if you do. Jamie, I really appreciate your friendship, and I hope that you will have the chance to speak again, uh, possibly uh, in 2023. Well, folks, I'm really enjoying sharing with you these highlights. I have two more to share with you, and I just want to, again, say thank you to everyone who listens. It really encourages me when I check the numbers, and I know that people are listening because I know that the truths of God are going forth and making an impact. So please continue to listen, continue to share with your family and friends, because that is how more people find us and hopefully find encouragement 
as they are going through this life. Well, as I said, we've had a lot of uh, good episodes, as you can hear, uh, in this past year, and we, we had some major highlights. And the second one of those major highlights was hitting our 10-year anniversary. And we actually were able to post our 10-year show on the exact same day that I posted the first show ever back in 2012. So that audio you heard to kick off the show is how we began the Speaking For Him podcast 10 years ago. It was October 8th, 2012. It was a Monday night, and Adam joined me in the studio for the first recording session four days later on October 12th uh, of 2012, the Speaking For Him podcast commenced, and on October 12th, 2022 here we are 10 years later so adam what goes through your mind when you hear that oh my goodness gosh what a couple of youngins back in the day thinking back it's been 10 years uh i think about how polished i would say especially We've grown, but you especially too, listening to the episodes that they've gone on throughout the years, like the growth has been amazing. Um, I think I have a few more gray hairs and, uh, but luckily it's radio, so you can't see that. And just even like all the people and stories that we got to like hear and meet through this podcast has been incredible. It's been awesome. I was thinking about this earlier today and the fact that 10 years is kind of a a plateau that you never think that you're going to reach when it's something like this and you just go in and you start a project. And, you know, I always kind of joke about this whenever we hit a, a milestone, but it really feels crazy that we're sitting here 10 years later and I'm still doing the podcast because... For those who don't know, I've gone through three co-hosts because of different reasons and a pandemic, and I'm still here, still podcasting each week. And a little bit of a fun fact, several months ago, actually probably about two and a half years ago, maybe a little less, Chad Cashman, who is one of the other co-hosts that I've worked with, he encouraged me to change my posting day from Fridays to Wednesdays. And he, because of that, that allows us to actually post the 10th anniversary podcast on the exact 10th anniversary of the podcast. So thank you, Chad, for that foresight that you probably didn't even know that you had. And I just have to say here that it would not have been possible for this podcast to still be going on if it wasn't for the three men who stepped in as co-hosts in the early days because I wasn't ready to do a podcast solo back then. So first of all, the Adam McNutt who stepped in and was my right-hand man for over five years, probably close to six years when you consider the fact that he came back after being gone for a while and stepped in 
on a part-time basis before finally stepping away for good with occasional guest appearances, which he still makes, for which I'm thankful. Uh, But without him, I would not have had the courage to continue to do what I do. And then I had Chad Cashman step in. Uh, We didn't really know each other, but Adam made the recommendation, and Chad always made things fun. If you go back and listen to the episodes that I did with him, you'll find that he changed the intro a lot just to see how I would react to it. And that always created some fun in the studio. I always came in with detailed outlines because I wanted to make sure that I hit my uh, targets and that I wasn't distracted from my main reason for being there. And then those intros would sometimes throw me off, so that made things interesting. But thank you, Chad. And then Dan Van Zalen. Uh, When both of those men met me that night, Chad and Adam, and said, we need to step away from the podcast, I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. At this point, I hadn't really considered doing it at home, and I was like, there's just no way I can at this point, so it's probably just going to end. And then Dan Van Zalen stepped in, and he was my right-hand man for about a year, and I'm super thankful to Dan, uh, even though I know... There were times when he wasn't as comfortable on the broadcasting side as maybe the other two were. But I'm super thankful for Dan for doing what he did for me in that time. And then, of course, God, through the pandemic, forced me to learn things that I probably should have uh, before then uh, by leading me to do at-home recording and find the Roadcaster Pro and continue to keep the podcast at home, even as the world has opened up. So I'm super grateful for each of these people and the many others who I don't really have time to name uh, that make this podcast what it is. So just know that if you're a listener or a prayer or you've been on the podcast at any point, I am totally indebted to you for helping to make the podcast what it is. Well, we've come to the last segment, and this is one of those things that you don't anticipate, but God puts it out there and gives it to you as an opportunity to have content for the show and also as a way to encourage your heart. John Wilson is a young man that I met through Master Arts Theater, and he Uh, was doing some sort of broadcasting class through Moody Bible Institute online. And he asked me if I could record an interview with him talking about ministry and broadcasting and media and things of that nature. And I was super excited to sit down with him. And I actually asked him before we even recorded, I said, is there any way that you can send me the audio so that I can share on my podcast? Because I have interviewed a lot of people, but I haven't really been interviewed on the show. And I think it would be a nice change of perspective, and I would love to share that interview. And he agreed, and so I was able to uh, split it into a two-part interview and broadcast it on my podcast. And I'm just super grateful for times like that when God continuously shows up with content. It's not like I set out on this journey and I know um, exactly what I'm going to do for the whole year. Like we're staring down the barrel of 2023. I don't know what kind of 
podcast adventures that God has for me. All I know is that if I continue to be faithful, he will continue to be faithful uh, because he is even better, immensely better at keeping promises than I am. And so here is my final clip of the day, a little bit of my interview with John Wilson about media for the master. Yeah, that's awesome. I totally relate to that too. I feel like a lot of times you have to get to your breaking point, kind of like a horse where it's like God kind of pushes your character to a, to a breaking point till he can mold it into what he wants it to be. And then he uh, directs you to that thing. But then just like you were saying, I know for me, as I've grown in my life, I'm like, well, now I kind of feel like I'm a, I'm a weaker or not as strong person as I was. And I don't quite feel as confident, but God always <laughs> pushes you out and enables you and through his power. And it's awesome. So, um, podcasting, you started podcasting in, in 2012, I believe, right? That's correct. Actually, yeah. as of the time of this recording, I just posted the 522nd episode of my podcast. And next week, I will be recording my 10th anniversary podcast. I've gone 10 whole years without any stoppages of doing a weekly podcast. And I'm actually releasing the 10th anniversary podcast 10 years to the day from the time that I released the very first episode. That is awesome. That is a huge achievement. That's so cool. So 2012, that was kind of like podcasts had started and had there had been like some zeitgeist there. And then obviously there's kind of like been, at least I've seen in my generation, this resurgence of getting into podcasts like talk shows or, um, you know, like the true crime podcast I know is really big amongst our friends and stuff. Um, but what was it about media that, uh, drew you to that and, and that has sort of enabled you to live out your calling, if that makes sense. Well, I think just communicating to people and, and drawing people out of themselves and having good conversations, I think is one reason why I, I resonated with the podcast thing. In all honesty, like I got the opportunity through WJQ in Zeeland, Michigan to do morning devotions uh, because I reached out to all the West Michigan radio stations and said, I have this ministry speaking for him. I'd like to talk to you about it and potentially on air to get more opportunities to speak. I wasn't really thinking in terms of doing a lot of radio work, but Chris and Emily Danielson, who are now um, pastoring a church in Kansas, at the time they were the morning show couple who were on JQ and they were starting a segment called devotions in motion. And that segment was for church leaders and ministers to come in and do a, you know, three to five minute devotional that would air in the mornings. And when I went in the first time, I thought it was only going to be a one time deal. But the day that my first one aired, they called and asked me for my second appearance. And I actually did that for a year and a half to two years. Well, it was, I don't remember exactly when I heard about podcasting. True funny story in the early days, I saw the podcasting app on my BlackBerry. This is how far back we go. <laughs> but I, and I never touched it because I thought you had to pay money to mm. listen to podcasts. So I left it alone. And then somewhere along the line, I heard about blog talk radio. And so I started investigating podcasting and I found out that there was times when 
the studio was empty for WJQ, even though the radio station was on the air. And in January of 2012, I went on a talk show on JQ called Ignite with J.R. Pittman. And one of the people that was working on the show was a young guy um, named Adam McNutt, who served as the executive producer there. And he was a homeschooler and he actually went right into radio out of high school. Never, never went to college, still hasn't been to college, but eventually he went to be the morning show host there. And now he's left to be a youth minister, but, uh, and we're still really good friends, but long story short, he, I, we hit it off. And as we started to talk to one another and I got this vision for the podcast, I met with the ownership of the station and I said, can I use the studio when no one is recording a show? And they said, yes, you can. Well, I can't reach the board at the studio because it's way too high for me to reach. There was no way for me to do that. So I asked him if he would come alongside as my executive producer. And so just like that, I had a radio studio and an executive producer. And he served in that capacity for the first 256 episodes plus. So that's awesome. Yeah. God really just lined up all those things and just kind of pushed you in on the deep end there. So another great two-part interview for you to sink your ears into, should you choose to. I think you'd be really encouraged as we spent about 45 minutes in total talking about how to use media to best serve the master. That's about all I have time to share with you today. But I hope that you've been encouraged throughout 2022, and I hope through all the good and the bad times that God has shown himself faithful. I look forward to talking to you again in 2023. So for now, I'll simply say, have a happy new year and keep serving the best of masters. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Your host has been Andrew Gomison, founder of Speaking for Him. For more information on today's show and to leave us comments and voicemails, visit speakingforhim.blogspot.com. You can find Andrew's ministry at speakingforhim.com. That's speaking, the number four, H-I-M. You can also interact with us at facebook.com slash speakingforhim and on Twitter at Speaking for Him. And when you look for us on iTunes and Stitcher, let us know what you think of the podcast by leaving a rating and review.